Today's episode of the Mets Up Podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. First off, that's huge. And that's what we use here on the Mets Up Podcast. I highly suggest it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other streaming services. And you're allowed to make money from your podcast from day one with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So make sure you guys download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, Mets Up Podcast, we're back, and it has been a stressful few days since our last episode. We finally got some Mets baseball. We got the Philly series. We got the Marlins series coming up at home, so we're going to talk about the Philly series mostly, a little bit of a Marlins preview. Of course, I'm Mark, one of your co-hosts, here with James Schiano on the Mets Up Podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and watch us on YouTube. Just look up the Mets Up Podcast, and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and I think that's all our social media as well, Mets Up Podcast. James, man. Mark, Mark, that intro was a lot less chipper than our, our previous few episodes. Yeah, it's been a really frustrating few days, I think. Like the last, was it, 72 hours and three days has been... Yeah, it feels it feels like an entire season has already gone by. It's like, it's, it's as if the Mets haven't... It's as if we played 50 games already. Yeah, it's just been like, it's been so... Every game feels like it's been a battle. And I think mm-hmm. I even tweeted about it in game two. And we'll get into all the games, of course, more detail, but... Game two felt like the closest 8-4 game of all time. There just hasn't been anything. Six, you tweeted 6-2. 6-2, yeah. But, I mean, I think yeah. it finished 8-4, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. still, four-run lead. And it felt like at any moment the Mets were ready to blow it. A lot 100%. of stuff went on. And it just, like, wasn't a great three games, games of baseball. I just, I don't know if I'm here to blame the national break. Because we, I mean, have had six or seven days off. And a lot of the pitchers haven't thrown in. Like, guys, Jacob Barnes, I think they said, didn't throw in, like, ten days. Yeah. So same with same with Jacob Degrom. <laughs> yeah. So like I don't know if it's to blame for that. I mean they're not going to be this bad of a team. We know that all year long. But there no, of some, course there's some things that are definitely concerning right now, and I just I don't like what I'm seeing. It definitely might look weird just like in a vacuum that our first three games were teams fourth, fifth, and sixth games. Like there's just a general like off tilt and rustiness when every single team finds a level probably after four or five games that the Mets just didn't have that luxury. But that's a piss poor excuse. This team played like a joke for three days, honestly. Like even the win felt awful. It like every everything about these last couple of days was just brutal. Felt like getting just punched in the gut repeatedly, but then asking for more. It was awful. It's it's you see us like we're taking deep breaths. We're just like very somber, it feels like it's a yeah, very yeah. somber tone because it's, <laughs> it's just <hard. laughs> it's a hard conversation to have because I'm not trying to go too crazy because it's still three games of one sixty two. It is yeah, really, one fifty one fifty nine left. Yeah, it's really seriously insignificant. You're not going to go three and zero against the Phillies every single time. You're not going to go two and one against the Phillies every single time. We did get one win in a series where we played as the worst team for sure. You could take that as a positive, but really, outside of the actual physical win, there isn't a lot of great stuff to take out this first game as a team. Single performances, sure, but as a team, not much. Game one got off to a really weird start, just in the middle of the afternoon, just. Dominic Smith wasn't in the lineup, and Kevin Pillar was starting in center field and batting leadoff. To go into that for a second, it was weird. I understand the logic of wanting your A-team outfield defense with DeGrom, who gets more fly balls than ground balls, even though he gets more strikeouts than both, but whatever. I still understand that. But I, it's kind of telling that, first of all, Pillar was in center over Nimmo. That means that internally the Mets believe that Pilar is a much better defensive player than Nimmo, and he's probably better. But I don't think at this point in career he's much better. He's better. Like that that play he made on the Hoskins uh, double caught out at third base. That was nice. I'm sure Dominic Smith doesn't make that play. Or but 
why the fuck is Kevin Pillar hitting leadoff? That's insane. There's no, there's no reason ever. It doesn't even matter. I wouldn't even have Kevin Pillar lead off my AAA team. Like, it's ridiculous to hit the guy lead off. No, it's just, it's like very backwards thinking because the Mets are trying to get more analytically focused. And if you just think about how a lineup works, your top three guys are going to get your most at-bats in theory in a game. You know, it's probably going to end up being somewhat even because it's a short sample. But really, one, two, three are going to get your three most at-bats because they just have the opportunity to come up at the plate most. And there's just no world where Kevin Pillar should be number one. Getting the most no, of absolutely. And like, I understand a lefty was on the mound and the Mets don't like, even going back the last few years, they haven't really liked hitting Nimmo or McNeil high in the order against lefties. But like, I don't care if fucking Sandy Koufax is on the mound. Brandon Nimmo should be the leadoff hitter. His on-base percentage will never even get near going under 400. There's no reason that he should hit anywhere besides one, let alone eight. Why is he hitting eighth? Like, how could you, are his splits aren't that different where... At some point in the lineup, he's like basically your most valuable hitter. At other points, he's the least most valuable hitter. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so actually looking at Nimmo's splits from 2020, he was pretty atrocious against left-handed pitching. I didn't realize it was this bad. Uh, 196 average, 317 on base, which is probably still even with what Pilar does because he doesn't really walk to begin with. So at the absolute worst, you're getting Kevin yeah, Pilar's He's still going to draw a walk. <laughs> yeah, Nimmo's floor is Kevin Pilar's ceiling, essentially, offensively. And we know he's just got more pop. He's a better hitter. I agree with you. Like, it just doesn't really... That was a weird start to the day. Especially, like, Dom has become such an emotional leader in this team, and he's even become one of the better hitters. I think that's pretty clear, and 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 most people would agree with that. Him just not being in the lineup just felt strange. Yeah, I just, like... And a 2020 split sample, what was that, in, like, 40 at-bats? So he got uh, 51 at-bats. I mean, let's let's take an even better look at 2019. I'll pull this up while you keep going, and I'll fill in there. But that, like, I don't know, 50 at-bats is, like, a glorified blip in the radar. Like, that can be any type of anything, like... I don't know. The fact that he, like, I don't know. It's just perplexing that they would, the Mets would start the year with Kevin Pillar in the batter's box. Even from an emotional standpoint, just the idea of not having Dominic Smith in the lineup on opening day is strange. It's weird. I'm sure the guys even felt a little bit weird about it, even though it was a lefty. But, like, it's Matt fucking Moore. This isn't a dominant left-handed pitcher. Like, I don't know. Kershaw, again, like I mentioned before, Sandy Koufax, one of these all-time greats on the mound, or an above-average lefty, sure. But it's Matt Moore. There's no way you could have ever been expecting Matt Moore to throw more than 70 pitches in this game. And on a gr- good day, that gets Matt Moore, Matt Moore through five innings. Like, this, Which is like, basically on what a good we day. saw on, mon- on uh, yeah, Monday night. Yeah. yeah. But then it even became a situation where I remember Wayne Randazzo from WFAN in the pregame asked Rojas... Once the lineup card came out, like, are you going to be looking to pinch hit Dom for Pilar if a right-hander immediately comes in the game, as it happened? And he said, well, let the flow of the game dictate that. And then the fourth inning, when the Mets were rallying and they had a chance to break the game open, and Kevin Pilar came up with bases loaded and one man out, they did not send up a pinch hitter. And I disagree with that tremendously. See, I'm not going to get on Rojas for that one as much as I would have if the game was, like, close. I know it was only 2 nothing at the time, but you saw a 2 nothing game. Bases loaded. It really did take like a double play to get them out of the inning. And there is Definitely. no guarantee that Dom was not going to hit into a double play. He's obviously significantly no, sure. better. You get a better chance to put more runs on the board with him than Pilar any day. But I think that the I can at least see the thought process there with keeping Pilar in is that we've got the lead. 
At worst, we're up two. Let's prioritize defense, especially because the wind was swirling out there. That's the only way I can truly rationalize it is that... I see that, but like if you wanted a defensive substitution for later in the game, Dom could have played four innings, gotten two at-bats in, possibly broken the game open, either one of those shots, and Almora could have come in the eighth, and you still could have had the defense that you wanted originally. Like This is why we have like a nice long bench. And with the new extra inning rule, you're not worried about keeping guys on the bench for extended games. That's almost There's almost no chance of that happening anymore. The 13-inning game last night or two nights ago, that's an aberration now like the bench is deep enough where we can mix and match and if the Mets as it looked like by drawing up the original lineup card are so concerned with splits it would make logical sense based on the logic from the pregame lineup to put Dom Smith in for that at bat but it just didn't happen it's I don't know I'm not seeing like the process that we were lauding a few weeks ago that is fair where you did say like if we're going to be so about the splits, then you do have to put in Dominic. Yeah, because let's if be a split. If you're going to play it so strictly, I completely understand that. And in that thought process, I can completely like get behind the idea of, okay, if we're going to be so rigid to stuff, you've got to stick to it. Because yeah, it's been a problem it. for the Mets teams in the past too. And we've been talking about, you know, back to 2018, 19 years, where at the beginning of the year every year, we saw them start hot, right? And they were doing things. They were playing smart. They were moving guys in defensive positions late in the game, making sure that they locked it up. But then it kind of disappeared, and that's as the Mets' play started to decline, was they just stopped being as sharp, stopped being as smart. It just feels like this was like one of those oversights that I think a lot of times when you talk about you know Luis Rojas, a lot of people feel like he's clueless or that he's a little bit of a deer in the headlights. And could this have been a deer in the headlights moment, or was this their plan? That's what we like. I almost don't yeah, know what I would prefer. We, as a, you'd never know, like the way modern baseball's managers like the general managers have so much to do with every single decision that happens same with like an entire department of people like in athletics like there's no way of knowing who actually made this decision but like there i don't know if i fully agree with this all the time but there's like an element of gut that still exists in baseball and like when you look at that lineup you're like that just looks wrong like that line it was like an ugly lineup like didn't make any sense and there was never even a spring lineup that looked like that like kevin blar was he just i don't know the way this team is assigned how many good hitters are here why is he ever hitting a leadoff yeah he's at like if he's gonna play against a lefty he hits eighth it's that simple. yeah definitely maybe sixth seventh whatever and give you give you good outfield defense which he still showed and he took some good at bats like he's not a bad baseball player by any means it's not hate on kevin pilar but it's just it's clear that he's one of the second, third echelon players on this team. Yes, and I think it's important to note, and this probably moves us on to the next topic here in game one, is that that's not what lost us the game either. Dom Smith Smith not not hitting isn't what lost us the game. We had the lead, we pitched, I mean, DeGrom pitched his lights out. Yeah, Jacob DeGrom, oh my God, he looked so good. He threw 24 consecutive fastballs to start the game. Just crazy. And and the Phillies weren't even close to any of them. He, I don't even think he threw one or maybe even no change-ups. Like, he was strict, bare minimum stuff. And guys weren't even close. Yeah, outside of the Hoskins hit to start the game, basically, no one really did anything against Jacob deGrom, which is going to lead now into what everyone on Twitter felt like was the big problem, which was pulling deGrom after six. I get it, you know, in a vacuum, in that exact moment. I didn't like deGrom getting pulled either, because I really I thought Miguel Castro was going to blow up, but look at that. <laughs> Miguel Castro got the job done. I'm starting to get a little more faith in him. His stuff looked really good. But... I was like, okay, DeGrom not going out for the seventh. I don't like that. Castro did a good job. And then May came in in the eighth, and let's be honest, him and Luke just blew the game. They blew it. Guillaume didn't help them out either, but they also blew it. They didn't give themselves a chance. They weren't aggressive on the mound, especially I was a little disappointed in how, like, it seemed he was very... He didn't have it. That's honestly just what it felt like. May, I mean, to go back to DeGrom for a second, though, like, 10 days off, I understand being cautious with him. He wasn't going to throw more than 80 pitches. There were, were hints at that early in the game. And if you look across baseball, many other aces have been stopped around between the 75-80 range. Today, 
Brandon Woodruff, the exact same thing happened, and the exact same thing happened in the Brewers. Devin Williams gave up a home run, and Devin Williams gave up a home run. Like, I feel less bad about Trevor May blowing a game. But whatever, no matter how many innings the ground pitched, like if he was pitching the 7th or not, Trevor May was pitching the 8th, and Aaron Loop was facing Bryce Harper. Aaron Loop is going to do three things this year. He's going to pitch to Bryce Harper, he's going to pitch to Freddie Freeman, he's going to pitch to Juan Soto. So everybody has to just get on board and just get ready for a couple heart attacks because that is this guy's role. And it's just it just kind of sucked the way it went down. It was like a life-sucking rally. They didn't, they didn't hit one ball hard. No, didn't hit one ball hard. And like, you know, Guillaume tried to make a big play too. And he kind of rushed it with the throw. McCann could have handled it better, but also at the same time, Guillaume has to make a better throw. That still wasn't an easy play or easy throw to handle, no, no matter what, even if he didn't lunge early like Keith was talking about on the broadcast. Yeah, well, I was about to say, it was pretty funny. We, at least the silver lining was we got Keith standing up and like masquerading first base in the booth afterwards. He's like, yeah, I get off the back, son. <laughs> so like it would have saved one run. We still They still would have scored that run. It still wouldn't have been out, but it would have saved one run. Yeah, I and mean like... like oh. That loop pitch to Harper still kills me. I think it was an 0-1 pitch, and it was just a bur- slider got away. Just nabbed him on the back foot. Are you kidding me? Yeah, just that slipped sucks. out of his hand, basically. So, I mean, yeah, game one was frustrating. The Mets also didn't hit, let's be honest. No, they also didn't Also didn't put up a lot against friggin' Matt Moore. And no. did Connor Brogdon pitch that game? And just a, a bunch did. of guys that, like, Look good. I, I expected to see a little bit more from the Mets. The rust was clearly there. It took, like, what, three innings to really warm up? They were taking some horrible swings to start the game. Terrible. They looked awful the Matt first Moore two Matt Moore was throwing, innings. what, 91 and blowing yeah. it by them. So it was like, okay, clearly, like, the offense. But did you, it, one trip around the order, they caught up to him. Yes. But it was still, you can't, like, they let those three turns go. It was bad. You can't put up you two sh- runs against Matt Moore. You have to put up four. You should never give Matt Moore one second to breathe. You should no. be all over that guy, like white on rice. Like, yeah. stink on a monkey. I'm kind of speechless just because there really wasn't a lot of stuff that was going well, but there also wasn't anything that made me go doomsday. It was game one of the season. No, yeah, honestly, and even, like, May's outing, as bad as he looked, like, there were just balls finding holes. Like, it wasn't like it was like a Hensel Robles, like, flip the head back situation over and over again. Like, they were just, like, finding ways to get through. Like, and that sucks, but that's just baseball. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're going to get it to at some point this year. Like, it will come back to us. And I think with May, the big thing is it seems like if his slider is not clicking on the night, that's where we're going to really have some trouble because then he just becomes a fastball pitcher and he can't throw it inside all the time. And this is something that the Mets seem to do from a philosophy standpoint against the Phillies, which just seems like such a horrendously bad decision. But we love to throw Alec Bohm, Reese Hoskins away, and all they do is take the ball to right field. They, yeah. they're, oh, Bohm, Bohm loves going with it. He it's loves like going with it. Put it in on their hands one time. This is a new. Please. This is a new thing for Hoskins. Though. Hoskins really only started doing this last season. But he's had. I feel like he's always had the power to right field. He hasn't necessarily been doing like the I'll just take the single to right field thing. Yeah. But like we're letting them extend their hands too much. It makes me think of the Ryan Howard Chase Utley days where we tried to live on the outside corner and they just kept taking it to left field every single time. I'm getting flashbacks with that with like Real Muto, Boom. Hoskins, they're just like outside, outside. And it's like, oh, what do you know? When they know what yeah. pitch is coming, they're going to hit it yeah, there every I'll, single time. I'll hit a single. Yeah, yeah. and that's like, they, the Phillies played good baseball. That's really what it came down to on game one. They just played yeah, better baseball did. than the Mets. They did. They were more, they were the tighter team, which comes from playing three games and the Mets have played zero. 100%. And, you know, the Mets had, what, seven days off before that too? Definitely. Or? And again, it'll, it'll affect relievers, just like it affects starters not pitching for like 10 days. Like May hadn't been in a game. I think it was eight days, or maybe it was like seven. Which is a just really, since like the second, really long, super time. That's long. An IL and, stint. Yeah, and you were talking about the slider. Like it was a little bit chillier 
on Tuesday night. Like, it's hard to grip a slider. I didn't look too much into that game. It was a disappointing loss because it just it felt like you ripped your heart out opening day. We've been waiting for this, and it just Yeah, was... I know. Especially after seeing those viewership numbers in SNY. That was <laughs> the, the most roof. watched <laughs> regular season sporting event of the year. 30,000, yeah. I think. And that doesn't include, like, MLB, MLB TV streams, I don't think. Or, like, probably the couple thousand of people who stream it illegally from whatever websites you watch it from. Let's move into game two now because game two was a lot better. Definitely yeah, it felt good. It's open Twitter. They had the right lineup drawn up. Yep. Felt nice. Brandon leading off. We had a great start to the day. It was like, yeah, it was this, awesome. This is, oh, so it's opening day. We made it. Like, there it is. <laughs> I think you texted me that, like, that, thank God. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, that's the lineup that we need to see for 130 of the 162 games this year. Yeah. Whatever it's going to be, that needs to be the one through it. I don't know, man. Some tough lefties like Matt Moore might come on the docket. You never well, know. Like, now I'm starting to think, like, when we actually do face a competent lefty, like, what are, what are we going to do? Is Albert Almora going to start over Nimmo now? I mean, I like, don't even, I don't even know. Watching Albert Almora take his at bat today, like that guy's just Matt Dendecker. Yeah, no, he's like he's I, just not a hitter. He's never been. He's a just hitter. not. He's not particularly very good. But whatever. Let's get back to game two. Stro- Marcus Stroman was great. Sick. He was he was fantastic. Five hundred fifty seven days since his last start. Howie Roseman on the radio. The radio broadcasts were fire for all three of these games. I listened to the first two, most of them on the radio, and Howie and Wayne Randazzo were dropping heat. Marcus Stroman, 557 days since his last start, or about, wait, what was the stat? He took six months to come back from his torn ACL, so about three times the amount of time it took him to come back from a torn ACL was how many days in between this start and his last one. That's crazy. His slider looked pretty good. His fastball is sick. I don't hit the two seam he was throwing that he was getting inside to the lefties looked really good. It's also interesting that he basically threw all two seams. There's just like a few sliders and a few of the split changes mixed in, just like DeGrom mostly threw fastball. So I think there's probably something that the Mets are doing philosophically early in the season where they're focusing on the fastballs and probably going to build up to breaking stuff, which is something to keep an eye on these next few times through the rotation. But Strom had 28% whiff rate, which was better than the 24% he had in 2019 and better than the 20% he had the year before then. He, again, he didn't see the split change that much, but he was getting ground balls all night, which is, I love to see that out of him. His spin rate on every one of his pitches was ticked up at least a few percents from 2019, which is cool, which shows that all the work he was putting in a codify, like these pitches have beefed up a little bit, which is pretty, pretty fun. And per StatCast, he did not allow one fly ball the whole game. That's that's like honestly that's the most insane. Impressive stat. There was there was one line drive, and like there's always a like a, a range of error between line drives and fly balls. Like it's kind of hard to decipher which is which. But that's sick. No fly balls. That's insane. That's especially in you know Citizens Bank Park, which is such a band box. Any ball in the air could go out at any time. Yeah, I mean like he pitched really well, Stroman. I think any sort of doubts that people have had about him, I think you can shake him. You go, okay, he's at least going to give us six good innings probably every single start and keep us competitive at worst. But he's going to be able to win us some games too. We needed that so bad after losing the DeGrom game. To lose DeGrom and Stroman back-to-back days would have been a real, like, a knife in the heart. Imagine how we would have felt if we lost this series getting swept as opposed to we went one and two, like not the end of the world. No, it was fine. 500 tomorrow, but whatever. Yeah, but that that was the good. And again, the lineup was good. Game two, we put some runs on the board finally. Not a lot of hitting, but like just the ability to take all those walks from Vince Velasquez. You take that to the bank every time. Our guy, we talked about it last time. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, why don't they use him in the bullpen? Well, that's why, because oh, he'll can't just throw strikes. But granted, he threw like forty pitches, and he was they just kept him in there. And I was like, Joe, yeah, no, I mean, thank you. I had also, no clue why that leash was so long. And then even after. They took him out. They put Kinsler in again. Yeah. Who threw like forty pitches. This he must be like, are you kidding me? I'm like, why would you? It's like use me, this guy? really? Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's a great segue to the biggest problem I had with the Mets in Game 2 was running the exact same bullpen out two days in a row. It made no sense. What the fuck is that? And that was with a four-run lead. Yeah, like I understand Castro. It only took him nine pitches the first game. But you're letting Major League hitters see this guy two days in a row? Yep. Why would you Why would you want that? And And they did hit the ball hard against him the night before. They did hit some ropes around the field. So it wasn't like he got the he got the job done 100%, but it wasn't like he was, you know, 101 three strikeouts see you next time. Yeah, definitely. And then again to bring May in the day after he was ineffective and threw 22 high stress pitches. I can't I can't wrap my mind around the logic there. And he he's a guy who is a Tommy John guy too. So like you got to be careful with his arm because high stress or high leverage high stress situations, that's like what everybody talks about when you start talking about arm injuries is limiting those pitches. And maybe May, maybe we just don't know much about May yet. Maybe he's a guy who likes to pitch in back-to-back days. Maybe he's a guy who's like, no, you got to throw me out there so I can get back on track with stuff. No, I like back-to-back days, but 22 pitches is a lot for a reliever who got, I think he got one out in that entire outing. And like, you wasted him for today, which, not that it mattered because of how he played, but in theory, you used him in a game that he didn't need to be used in. Yeah, definitely. God, how how bad was Yuri's familia? Oh my God. No, but he wasn't though. That's the thing. But like... He gave up, again, you want to talk about like hard contact and soft contact? He gave yeah, up like no, there was two, none. three bloops, basically. But like, and I that hate, should have been outs. I, I hate when relievers don't throw strikes. It's the most infuriating thing in the world. Like, you just got to come after these guys. I am on the train of Jerry Familia is still good. And yeah, I'm, I know you I'm are. I'm on the train of, I thought that he looked fine. Like, he's going to walk a guy or two, and I agree. Reliever walks got to be possibly the most frustrating thing. But he also got screwed with like the little chopper over his head. He got screwed with the little bloop by Reese Hoskins. I think there was one more like little dinky hit in there where it was like, dude, like, and it sucks because you're going to look at the box score at the end of the day and go, he had a horrible outing. But really, if you break down, he had three, three or four outcomes that should have been outs, but they found this hole where it wasn't. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not upset with Familia. I still think he's good. I still think his stuff is so sick. That it's just like so you're you're kind of like familiar how I am with Castro, where I'll trust Castro a little bit more than I probably should because I see his stuff. I'm like, that's good. Why aren't you good? Be just be good. Just keep trying to be good. I just like if Castro has the velo over Familia, where I think like Familia definitely has like when that sinker's moving, like that's one of the nastiest yeah, pitches moving. in the game because it's dropping about 12 inches and coming in 97. Like who hits that? Nobody. But when he's off, he's pretty horrible. I thought he was fine for start for game number one again. Seven days, eight days rest, not throwing. So I, yeah, I thought yeah. he was And throwing. also, it was very frustrating that Diaz kept getting up and down and not coming in the game. Like, at that point, just bring the guy in the game. Like, he also hasn't pitched in 10 days, and he didn't get any work today. So now we're three game, three days into the season. He hasn't had work. He's going to be ice cold when he comes in tomorrow and whatever. Has to throw tomorrow no matter what. I don't care what the yeah, score I don't, is, has to throw I don't tomorrow. care if it's 14-1 any direction. Diaz has to give an inning. Yeah, because we have Especially an off day. day. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's got to get an inning. Who are some other guys that haven't thrown yet? Because hasn't thrown yet. Because hasn't thrown, but... Whatever. Yeah, whatever. He can come um, whenever we want him to. I'm sure they're going to bring up Vizcaino. One of these. I think he's going to be the first guy who gets a call. But yeah, the only guys who haven't thrown yet are Gazelman and Diaz, and for completely opposite reasons. Yeah, th- those guys I think are probably locks to throw tomorrow, considering what's been going on. And I mean, Diaz literally has to pitch tomorrow. Has to. Did you know Miguel Castro was six seven? I did not, and that's shocking news to that's me. That's a sneaky six seven. That is a man <laughs> who looks six foot three and he's just like, hey, he's lanky yeah. and throws hard. Yeah. Yeah, if you t- ask me, are Miguel Castro and Yuri's familiar the same height? I would say 100%. Yeah, and Familia's no a pretty doubt. large guy. And yeah. Miguel Castro towers over him, apparently, at 6'7". F- Familia has 30 pounds on him, and he's four inches short there. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's that's crazy. Nuts. And then, I mean, game one, or game two, I should say, the other really good thing came from the offensive side, because Pete's looking really good at the plate. 
Pete looks, Pete looks amazing. Really good. Everything yeah. that we were worried about last year that came to fruition is complete. It seems to seemingly be gone right now. He's patient again. And I think they even talked about um, Chili Davis mentioned that Pete last year was over compensating for what he thought opponents were going to pitch to him. So when he did see a pitch that he thought like he was very much geared up for like the curveballs to be coming and the sliders and the changeups. So that when he did see a fastball, he was just straight up not ready. And then when he did see the curveball slider, he thought, well, these are going to be the only chances I have to hit because these are the pitches that they're throwing. I know it's coming. I have to swing, which is such a Pete Alonzo way of thinking. I, I can see it 100%. That's anxiety personified on a baseball field. And it's like, it's not even like the bad anxiety because like he still had a pretty decent year considering he was, yeah, no, it was up great. Yeah. But it's so good to know that like Chili like knew it, knew it was happening. He was like, we're, we're good. We're going to fix it. And his first at bat when he went with a fastball and put it the other way for a hit. Howie Rose was going ballistic. He was like, you'll love to see that out of Pete. That's a good piece of hitting from the young man. That's the kind of thing that can really bring his batting average up and make him such a great player. I know he is. Or even like game one where in the last inning got us up off our feet when he hit to right field. Like that was still a really well hit ball. And that's the kind of stuff when you see Pete Alonso is playing well, he's taking the ball to right field. He's taking it to right center. Driving it. And that's like, he'll, he'll turn on the ball inside. He's taking it to right field. That's when he's comfortable is when he's, reacting to the pitches and going with it and we've been seeing that a lot from him dom smith has looked really good still and i mean i was so happy that dom got on the board with a dinger yesterday because i was a little bit nervous that not playing game one could kind of get him in his own head because he he's again he wears everything on his sleeve like that he's that kind of player which is great i love that he's so like vivacious and like he's vivacious he is vivacious there's our sat word of the day there it is bang (laughs) bang bang but like, I was just very happy to see him like take a bunch of good at bats and just like feel like he was in control. You know, he looks good. I think Nemo looks really good at the plate. I think Nemo looks looks great. Looks so good. I he love just, Nemo he just so gets much. On. He just gets he's on no. all the time. Didn't he, didn't he walk in like four of his first nine play the yeah, Something insane. <laughs> it's crazy. And he gets hits too. It's not like he doesn't yeah. hit. It's like no, I, I mean, the, I mean, the move to game three, the two hits today were kind of ridiculous. Yeah, definitely a little ridiculous. Now I didn't see as much of the game as you because I was going to get a COVID test so that I could go to the game on Saturday. But it sounds like I am pretty lucky that I didn't watch most of it. Yeah, today's game was butt cheeks. Pure butt cheeks. Again, you don't go into Aaron Nola versus David Peterson with tons of confidence, but the Phillies jumped all over Peterson early. They seemed just like very ready for everything he had coming. Do you remember the the movie with, uh, I think it's called Rookie of the Year with Henry Bogart, the kid in the Cubs kid who falls down, he like starts throwing 100 miles an hour? Do you remember when he starts like lobbing balls in the end of the, to like finish the movie? That And that big meaty guy in the Mets is like... <laughs> trying to hit a home run that's what like reese hoskins and harper looked like in the first inning i was like holy shit <laughs> these guys are so ready if you, i don't know if you noticed when peterson was thrown in the first sitting too it was just i know he doesn't he's a soft tossing guy and his best stuff is going to be arm side so to righties it's going to be away but everything was in one section of the zone it was middle away to a righty middle into a lefty you can't live in one area you can't live in one area you got to sprinkle in a little something here you got to come especially on a righty you've got to come inside and with like two strikes he was just leaving too good of pitches out on the zone. Like, he was getting ahead in the count, too. That's what's annoying. And Peterson also, as good as he was last year, struggled with this Phillies lineup. Like, over his career, he's thrown six innings against the Phillies and given up 11 earned. He's thrown 47 and two-thirds against the rest of the league and only given up 14 earned runs. Do you, because I was talking about this with my dad, do you think that, especially with the Phillies lineup, and I know Bryce Harper is their big lefty and Deedee, but they really are a right-handed heavy lineup that does feast on left-handed pitching, let's be honest. Would you have gone with Taiwan Walker game three and given Peterson home opener or I probably would say yes, but for some, the Mets, they wanted to move Peterson up because I think they wanted more of a 
pitcher the home opener like as weird as that they said they wanted to split up the lefties but that wasn't true because Lucchese's not even making the start like he's only going with a four-man rotation right now but it seems like based on that the way they organized the rotation especially with all the off days it wasn't like rest for Taiwan Walker it felt like they wanted a better pitcher in City Field which I get that but I don't know. Hindsight's, I just see what you're saying. Hindsight's yeah. 2022. Yeah. So, like, I mean, Tyron Walker could have started, and it could have been the exact same way. So, it's a yeah. little and bit— And Peterson, did, he did settle down nicely after that those first few innings. Like, the fact that they only ended up with four runs with him on the mound was shocking after the way that game began. And he he cruised a little bit. Again, he threw, I think it was four innings, four runs, or maybe five innings, four runs. But, like, I don't know. I'm not going to well, hold that like end- incredibly again. It, yeah, it ended up coming down. What, I think, what, to what's David Peterson anyway? Yeah, I, I think it ended up coming down to five innings six because of Barnes coming in and giving up the jack. Yeah, yeah, the home run. Yeah, yeah, the the inherited which yeah, is unfortunate. That, but what like when that when Barnes walked in the game, Ron Ronnie is like JT Romuto loves to jump on first pitch fastballs. Fastball hitter. He's done this to relievers before. The entire Phillies dugout was up. They were like shouting like first pitch, first pitch, holding up ones. It was like. Why is Jacob Barnes the only guy who doesn't know this? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I heard about that, and I was like, well, as, as, when you think about it too, when you break it down, especially with how many days off he had, and like you just want to come and throw a pitch, right? Like just get yeah, you probably just want to throw a thing. strike, two men on, and JT Ramuto jumped jumped on it. I mean, like I yeah, I basically that said the Phillies bombsky. punched the Mets in the face, and the Mets kind of yeah. got caught. Like, oh, I didn't know that was coming. Which is especially like after that Jacob Barnes home run, that's basically what it felt like. We just got socked in the face. Dude, that Bohm home run felt like that too. That was a nuke. Yeah, Bohm's a good hitter, man. He's so good. He's awesome. He's, He's so a good, good. good baseball player. And now to transition to another good hitter, why on God's green earth was Jeff McNeil on the bench with Aaron Nola on the mound? Like you have to figure with Nola, Nola routinely kills the Mets. He didn't have his good stuff today. Like he gutted four innings, which is hysterical to say that Aaron Nola gutted four innings with a four-run lead. And to say, I don't know, maybe McNeil walked into Rojas' office morning. Maybe he had a stomach bug. Maybe his finger hurt. I don't know what happened behind the scenes. But to to say that we're giving Jeff McNeil an off day when he put like five, he put four balls in play over the last two games, like a hundred miles an hour that all went for outs. And like, he's, you see his attitude starting to build. Like you got to get that guy in the lineup. What the fuck? Now, like, weirdly, like I agree with you. Like he has to play. I didn't like the decision. Weirdly enough, you know, of course, VR went three for five today with the triple. Yeah. VR, VR, he, he was yeah. a homer away again, from the cycle or whatever he was. True. But all three of those hits came when the game was already out of Correct. Reach. And then he had two at-bats early in the game with men on and he didn't do anything again. And also the Mets big problem with this whole thing, which kind of sucks is this runners and scoring position shit. Which screw them last year. They're six for twenty-eight in the series runs in scoring position. As a team with this many good hitters, that's a statistical anomaly. That's just unlikely. And like it's crazy that it just keeps happening. And there have been balls that have been put into play hard. They're just not finding they're not finding the ground. The holes. And like we had, especially today, like some really bad at bats with runners in scoring position. There's just like a lot of I don't want to say or patience, too much patience almost. We were being really yeah. like non aggressive. What's the word? What's the word for yeah, non aggressive? No. Passive? Mean, passive. We were being very passive. Yeah. We weren't trying to yeah. beat the Phillies. It seemed like we were waiting for something to come to us. Yeah. My dad actually said, he's like, oh, all these guys just want to do is take walks. Yeah. I was like, I kind of agree with you. There was two at-bats that stuck out to me that were not good. There was a Dom at-bat in like the third or the fourth when Nola was on the ropes. And it was 4-1. They were making a move. And Nola put one like up and into him. And Dom like dropped his bat and he like sauntered around the box and like stared Nola down. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. And Nola got back on the rubber instantly. And Dom took about 10 full seconds, like just like gloves, hanging out, stretching, looking at him. 
and stepped in. And Nola just threw him a changeup right down the middle, and he swung directly through it. And they threw the exact same pitch, but six inches lower, and he was struck out 10 seconds later. It's like, what the frick? And then there was a Confort the Wet Bat after Lindor got hit by a pitch, and the bases were loaded with two outs. And it was still Nola, and the game was still within reach. And, like, I thought he was passive earlier in the game and actually tweeted about it. And then this at-bat, he was just flailing at bad pitches. Terrible. He, look, he, he doesn't look comfortable right no, now. He's looked pretty horrible at the plate, and you know he's really bad, too, when he's just rolling over outside pitches. Because when he's good, again, just like yeah, Peter Alonso, he's that. flicking that shit to left field, and he's getting hits like it's nothing. Hitting balls out to left field, like he's got that kind of talent. And he's just been rolling over everything, it feels like. And I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much into it. Again, it's three games. Conforto's going to be fine. I'm not worried about him. Of course. Conforto, someone brought up the stat on Twitter. He was horrific last year in the first three games. I'm going to look. I'm just something to keep in the back of our head, I think. Conforto's got a contract year coming up here. He's a Boris client. He knows that he's got some big money here. Is this a guy that we're trying to see maybe go away from going opposite field to hitting 310? Yeah, And he's trying to become a power hitter to hit home runs because that's what's going to get him paid? I mean, is that what we're going to be seeing well, from Conforto? Well, I mean, Conforto, the idea that Conforto's ever been a 300 hitter is a fallacy. He's a 259 career hitter. Like, this guy, at his best last year, again, was hitting 320, but that was in only 60 games. Like, at his what he is is probably a 270 hitter. Like, if everything's going right and he doesn't get injured enough, like, nothing, there's nothing else weird happening. I think we're looking into it definitely 100%, like, trying to figure out a reason why one of our best players had such a horrible series and why he was just doing things that we don't normally see him do. So we're trying to make probably something out of nothing. But I think it is something to keep an eye out for is what his opposite field numbers are going to be like th- as the year go on. Because I'm not sure if he hit a ball to opposite field that all this series. And he'll at least hit into an out or two in a series. He has one base hit to... um to left field this year okay like you said six for 28 runners in scoring position i mean you had here's what i think you can take a positive out of this you can spin it we had 28 at bats with runners in scoring position in three (laughs) games i mean that is so fucking insane that's 10 a game yeah no that's 10 a game the they left i think 14 men on base today and it was it that's the most they've left on the last two years 14 that's crazy that's insane and i would imagine and it was mostly in the first five innings yeah i was gonna say i'd imagine I would say probably six of those were with runners in scoring position, if we could probably figure out that stat. They had Nola on the ropes all day long. He did not look it sharp. sucked. He did not no, look he sharp. Just, and, he, looked, he looked bad. And if I remember correctly, I think his last few starts against the Mets, he hasn't been sharp. The Mets have been getting to him a little no. bit more recently. Bullpen, Jacob Barnes, I get it, hasn't pitched in a while. Yeah. I've never he's been. Also, he's also just not very good. Well, that was like, what I was can't... about to say. Yeah, you can't rely on Jacob Barnes to get you critical outs. Like that's just not that's not a world that we should be living in. Like and realistically, within a month, that's going to be a Sam McWilliams's role. He's going to be part of the B team bullpen. He's going to be the mid inning guy who you're going to hope to come in and be like a fireman kind of thing. But I don't know. I can't trust Jacob Barnes to get outs. The Mets today were one for twelve with run scoring position alone. Today they were one for twelve. VR zero for two. McCann for one. Dom for one. Conforto zero for four. I can't have- he came up four times a men's scoring position. Of course, because Nimmo's on base every single time he comes to the plate. I said before, McWilliams is going to be up with this team soon. He's going to make an impact. And I think you're going to see Aradiz Vizcaino by next week. Just because this bullpen's already got to work. So we're going to start using the alternate site, moving guys in and out. And he actually looked decent in the spring. His velocity was back to where it was pre-Tommy John or rotator cuff, whatever surgery he had. Also, I didn't like to say that Guillaume made another error. That's not that cool. Throwing, which is weird too, because like, yeah. it's never Two been throwing errors. But it seems like but he rushed a little it again, bit, right? Yes, because he's just on the opposite side of the diamond. Like he's mostly played short and second. He played a little bit third last year, but not a ton. Yeah, no, didn't didn't look great defensively. He did have a good game with the plate. He's still hitting, which go figure. Yeah, he did. Go figure. The <laughs> conversation some, we're having yeah. about Luis Guillorme <laughs> yeah. is concerns about his fielding yeah. and not his bat. 
which yeah. I think, I mean... Is he was G- on base three times. Do we have any news on JD? I know it's like a contusion, but is he expected to miss any yeah. more time? Or How how weird is it that the Mets' starting third baseman like possibly broke his hand, and it's like the 18th thing we're talking about? Yeah, crazy. <laughs> right? That's how that's how much was going on in these games. Yeah. I think if we're going we to... We haven't even talked about Francisco Lindor, by the way. Yeah, no. I mean... I don't know. What's even to talk about? That play, that play yesterday, that Real Muto beat out the ground ball, I was upset. Yeah, that, no, that was like, I've been cutting him a little bit of slack for his play because I got the play he hasn't been hitting much. He's been walking, which is good, and that's not typically something and no, he's he all, But he's also, he's been into those at-bats. Like, he's been very close, and he's been he's been ripping balls. Yes, and I think, like, there's going to be a little bit of a, like, little grace period with him, especially, like, I think the thing with Real Muto, now granted, he could have scouted him and learned this by that, but it seemed like he just kind of didn't realize JT Realmuto was that fast and that good of an athlete. Because how many times in his career has he legitimately yeah, played he's never he's, he's never seen a JT Realmuto scouting report. And also, like as great as Lindor is, and he's pretty great, he doesn't have a cannon. Like doesn't, he doesn't have a rifle attached to his right arm, like like some other shortstops in the league do. Like he doesn't have a Correa arm. He has the range, some of the best range in the entire league. But he just doesn't have that like. Pew. Yeah, it's so nice, to, so nice to see a real smooth shortstop out there. And save that was big for Stroman yesterday because he did. Not, I don't want to say he got into trouble a few times, but there there were men on more often than not. And I think the Mets turned at least two double plays up the middle, which was dope. And like I think that was a big thing we saw last year too. And go figure. I'm going to mention Rick Porcello in a podcast. But when they were doing like the G unit, <laughs> Rick up Porcello the middle, free agent. Yes, the G unit up the middle. Jimenez and Guillaume. And they had that game against the Nationals where he pitched great and just like ground ball, automatic out. And that's the kind of stuff we need to see when Stroman's on the mound is the best defense behind him, for sure. Definitely. And you would think that the same thing with Peterson today, but VR is not a very good fielder. No. And he was in there for... There has to be something else. You can't just be getting a day off. Like, that's insane. Does VR own Nola or something? I mean, like, he, <laughs> he would have played so. him a few times over the last couple of years. I mean... Definitely, but I mean, just as much as, if not less than McNeil would have yeah, played I, him. I guess that's also true. Like, how much better than McNeil is he going to be hitting against anybody when McNeil's numbers are just far better across the board yeah he's just a better baseball player but it's also it's a little interesting that we've already had the situation come up twice in three games with vr and pilar where a few weeks ago we were very excited that the mets got some real bench depth but when you sign veterans like that they'll expect to play these guys are major league baseball players like we said like we were happy about but you can't just let these major league baseball players rot on the bench for an entire season like these guys are expecting at bats that's what happens and you hope that there, there's no organizational pressure to get these guys at bats, but it seems like after two games that someone's very high on each of them. Yeah, I mean, like, Pilar also came off the bench, right, a couple, or in game two, yeah. I think he got an at-bat. And he did. Pilar has gotten a couple at-bats. And I don't know if I like, I like them getting the amount of at-bats that a normal bench piece would get. I don't like them being a platoon, which is what we're kind of seeing right now. Yeah, no, I thought, we both thought, we talked about this, that we were going to go into this season where, like, we we're going to have a consistent lineup day in and day out. Lefties, righties, didn't really seem to matter. But, and Rojas struggled with this last year, it seems like there's been a lot of like twists and turns and like tinkering, which I don't think is very good for it. a I young team. It. I hate yeah. it so much. I hate it so much. I hate A-Rod's tinkering. talked about this. Frank Thomas has too, where like when you're a young player, you want to be able to go to the ballpark and not really think about anything because you're, you're like, you're nervous, you're trying to learn, like everything is more difficult the less time you've been in the league. So looking at the lineup card, not being confident or even aware of where you're going to be or if you're going to be playing or not, 
that's difficult. That adds a layer of stress that makes that could hurt production. Yeah, no, I I really wish that they would have their lineup, which is what we saw game two, and go figure, they won. Just coincidence, I'm sure, but have that and. Every three or four days, maybe you start to look into what it's going to be, but it's... You want to see Pilar or VR, like, once a week. As, like, yeah, and Pilar will get some defensive replacement innings, of course. They'll both pinch hit here and there, but... And think about this, like, in the first three games of our season, we've seen the B lineup more than the A. That shouldn't happen. No, literally, yeah. There's, like, for Jeff McNeil and Dominic Smith to be in the same lineup once in three games, that's... That's mismanagement. Yeah, no, that's a that's a poor job. When you break it down like that, simply that just that that simply cannot happen. That can't. No, happen. It simply it, that cannot happen. It can't. Extenuating circumstances or not, like if nothing is wrong with either of those two guys, like that's ridiculous. And, and it's not game ninety five of the season. It's game no one we, in three. And so it's not like our sixth game in a row in a hundred degrees with eighty five percent humidity. Like there's no these guys aren't these guys aren't beleaguered. We have a day off on Friday. <laughs> I know. Like they should be jacked up. Yeah. It's a rubber game today. Day game. Like come on. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's probably all we need to talk about the Phillies. There was just... I guess, yeah. There was not a lot of great... There were some good stuff. There's some stuff that you can be excited about. But I think overall it was a disappointing series, and I think that's probably the the best way to leave it is just disappointment. Phillies, I don't really think are... I'm not scared of the Phillies still. I'm going to say that. I don't care because I really do think everything is going to even out as the season goes on. But they came up and they punched us right in the face, and we just took it. We just took it and had no answer. We didn't throw back. Bottom line is we walked up there against a hot team and we weren't ready to like we weren't ready to to play that was it but this now leads us into our next series which of course we were going to talk about going up against the marlins who have not looked good they have looked really really bad like you said last week anemic at the plate yes and their young pitching is very good yeah but they've also played all of their games at home and that park is just you can't hit there like it's impossible like i'm they're gonna get a little bit of a boost just leaving hitting the road a little bit and coming to a new place but like the young pitching is look good, but we're gonna we're gonna miss Pablo Lopez. I think we're gonna miss Sandy Alcantara unless he pitches on short rest because they had the Marlins have not named a starter yet for tomorrow or for Sunday. The only starter that's set on the schedule is Trevor Rogers on Saturday. Really? I they don't have one for tomorrow? No, they don't. I think it's gonna be Nick Neither because they just called him up when I think they put Eliezer in the DL and he's a starter, but there's no way he's stretched out. Like you're probably gonna see a combination of Ross Detweiler, Adam Simber. John Curtis, which these are all names that should excite Mets fans as well as Mets hitters. We're not going to make any predictions for this series because there's just there's no reason to break down what games we should win and what we shouldn't. But all we know is that this kind of baseball we played against the Phillies can't happen, and I don't expect it to continue. I really do think a lot of it has to do with the long break and the layoff, and it's tough to have guys geared up and ready for the season, and then all of a sudden four days go by and you don't play a single yeah, game. Yeah, it's weird. And, it's and weird. the Mets were one of the few teams, too, that weirdly did this, but... They ended like spring training come somewhat early where I saw teams still playing some spring training games in their spring training ballpark or even at their home ballpark, which I know the Mets can't do because it's cold. But even then, like the Mets ended games, I feel like three days before some other teams. And then they also had that four day break where they didn't play any games against the Nationals. You have a week of baseball off. It's going to take a little bit of time for them to get back into the groove of things. It's not. Yeah, no, that's bad. That's bad for your timing. I figured that two games against Matt Moore and Chase Anderson would even that out. But whatever. That's it. Sometimes it doesn't work out. The excuse is no longer there because we've now played three games. We've faced a really good pitcher in Aaron Nola. Wake up. We've seen Jose Alvarado. (laughs) We've seen seen arms now. There's no more excuse. The Marlins come around. You simply have to smack the Marlins around. 
you, yeah. you have to take two of three from no. this series. You can't be a playoff team in the National League East if you don't smack the Marlins around. Like that is a that's been a rule for years now. Like you have to dominate this team if you want to go far. And that was even like the separating factor between a lot of teams last year was like the Marlins just beat the Phillies more last year, and that's what ended up getting them ahead of them. 2019, that was huge. That that series that the Mets got swept by the Marlins in Miami, it felt like the entire season ended. Oh, I was I remember and, I was in Baltimore. And I was in May. I was in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. I just graduated college. And I was listening to on the radio, and I was like, I have like another three hours to go home. Like, I don't want to listen to this. Like, I, the manager at the time, we don't even have to talk about him. It was just so bad. That's old Mets, though. New Mets. <sighs> Man, I just yeah, I, been a lot of this. Been a lot of this this podcast. A lot of this. A lot of like we have the lineup tomorrow is home opening day. If we do not see the A lineup tomorrow going up against Nick Nider or whoever it's going to be, what, that what are we doing at this point? And I can't even believe that this is a conversation that we're having to have and like have some sort of passion behind it. Like me going, what are we doing three games into the season? But it's starting to feel like there's a way where we might see Pilar or VR start tomorrow. I mean, if Detweiler's on the hill, if he's the opener, two-winning opener as a lefty, you never know. There's no, no reason to overreact just yet. There's, this is still a very good baseball team, and I think everybody knows that. And I think the reason we're getting the overreactions is because we know this team is good. And we have high expectations, and they just simply played like shit this these last three games. There's yep. no other way around it. For sure. So I think that's why we're seeing a lot of overreactions, and I get it, but we got to take a deep breath. Three yep. games in, one 159 and two, left. One, one and two, 159 left, a lot of season, a lot of baseball, and this team is only going to be getting stronger as the, years go, or as the year goes on, and we start to get some more guys back, and we start to get into a groove of things, and we know who's going to be in the spots every single day. We know what guys are going to be our eighth, our seventh. We're not pitching Batances the rest of the year, I don't think, so we don't have to worry about that. We're going to be okay. It's really going to be okay. I'm not worried yet, yeah, be fine. but it was frustrating. You can be frustrated without doubt. Literally, we could be back here on Sunday talking to you guys, and the Mets can be 4-2, and two, and we'll be dancing. Yes, and we'll be like, hey, yeah. here we go, we're back. <laughs> there <laughs> they yeah, are. The Mets, holy crap, the Mets put up 27 runs in three games. <laughs> there was a way they could have done it last series. 6 for 28, they had yeah, 28 players yeah. <laughs> in scoring position. And by the four way, times can four the today. Four times. Keep this in mind. This is also a weird thing to think about that. They had 28 plate appearances or at-bats with runners in scoring position, and that includes 22 outs. So that means that there was innings that ended with runners in scoring position. You could have kept going. Tons. (laughs) So they had opportunity to score so many runs. They didn't. Disappointing weekend. Yeah. I'm okay, though. I'm okay. I I think talking through it makes it feel better a little bit. Yeah, this was good therapy for, I think, the both of us and hopefully all of our listeners out there. Yeah, you guys can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube. Always doing the (laughs) plugs on here. James, I think as long as, unless you've got something else to talk about here, I think that's probably going to wrap it up for today. Yeah, I'm good, man. I just got to get to tomorrow. Yeah, well, you're going to home home opener tomorrow, right? Yep, I'll be at City Field tomorrow. I'm over the moon excited, like thrilled, busting out. I might even join you there on Saturday. Who knows? Yeah, no, James will be there tomorrow. I'll be there on Saturday with some friends, and I don't know, maybe I'll go Sunday too. Why not? I got nothing else to do. If my COVID test comes back and I can use it for the Sunday game too, sure, I'm going. Why not? I'm going to take advantage of all these days that I get for this COVID test negative because... Oh my god! I don't want to keep going to City MD every like three or four days. I just no. I can't be asked. So, I think that's where we're gonna wrap it up, guys. Make sure you follow us on all our social media: Metzed Up Podcast at Metzed Up on Twitter, at Metzed Up on Instagram, and the Metzed Up Podcast on YouTube. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. My name's Mark Giraffe Neck Mark on Twitter. We got James Shiano. Jeter had no range. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thank you for so much for listening. And we'll catch you all next time on the next episode of the Metzed Up Podcast. Peace. Peace out.